You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, October the 6th, 2017, and this is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual on a Friday morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Good to be here. But I mean, I must warn you, I'm in a grumpy mood this morning, so <laughs> I don't know where this is all going to go, but let's get her going. That makes two of us for once, Eric. We're just going to work a couple of grouchy old men on a Friday, uh, sitting around drinking coffee and ready to talk about uh, the week that has occurred, and we'll look ahead. But before we do, just remind everybody that these weekly wrap-up segments are brought to you by Sprott Money where we deal with mints around the world to bring you the highest quality bullion and numismatics. So please visit our site at SprottMoney.com to shop now. Eric, uh, we might as well start with the current news this morning. And that is for the first time since 2010, the U.S. job market actually contracted, lost 33,000 jobs. But yet that doesn't seem to matter. Average hourly earnings uptick a little bit. And so gold is down. I would imagine you've got some thoughts on this. Well, you know, it's, uh, it infuriates me to say the least, and uh, it's a time when, uh, as I said before, uh, jobs numbers and FOMC meetings, that's a time to beat up gold. And, uh, of course, this was not expected to be down 33000 although a couple of people, uh, two of, I think, 27 economists suggested it could be down. And, of course, there were revisions to previous months as well, negative. And then, of course, surprisingly, the unemployment rate fell, even though we lost jobs, which must make people really wonder what the hang is going on here. We lose jobs and the unemployment rate goes down because apparently one point, I think it was 1.47 million people dropped out of the labor force, i.e. they don't get not getting a paycheck. That's about 1% of all workers, for goodness sake, dropped out of the labor force. So, and then, of course, they, they, they knocked gold down. And it's already had a range here of uh, like $10 today. It was as high as uh, 1272 immediately on the print, and then bang, it's down to uh, 1264 ish. And um, it, it just takes us back to the same thing we talk about all the time it's the commitment to traders, where are the commercials, where, where do they need the price of gold to be, so that they can, you know, reap another reward, an undeserved reward, I might point out, uh, by scalping the, uh, the speculators. So it's, uh, it's it, it put me in a very grumpy mood to see this sort of thing going on. So. Let's just leave it at that. Alas, though, Eric, one of the uh, oldest adages that I've had personally in trading the precious metals is whenever times look the most bleak is the time you've got to buy some. That that seems to be the one trading strategy or stacking strategy that always seemed to work. And, and conversely, when things look the most rosy like it did a month ago, it's usually the time you got to sell some. And here we are. Things look pretty bleak. <laughs> well, of course, it's all part of the plan, right? You want it set up so that it looks like everything is breaking down technically, which gets all the technical funds to uh, short gold or sell to liquidate their long positions. And conversely, when it's breaking out, the technical funds, oh, my God, it's breaking out. they got to get in and buy some. And, of course, they short it to them. So it's just this continual, you know, turning of the uh, the positions around and they're, the uh, scooping of the winning off the table at the commercials bank. They always bet against their customer. And, of course, uh, if they act in concert, they're going to win, unfortunately, and that's what we go through. So, yes, and I know I've very many times, you know, you have that pit in your stomach, that, oh, my God, it's not going well, and you're right. It's normally when it's bottoming out. So let's hope that uh, we're not too far from that. 
Hey, let's just talk a little bit. One more thing about the internals of the report. You mentioned the revisions to prior months. We go back uh, two months ago today, we were talking about the July numbers that came out in early August and everybody was raving about how great they were, 189,000 jobs. And this is one of the things that is also infuriating. It got revised today down to just 138,000 jobs. So they clipped that baby by about a third. But you know, that never seems to matter. You still have the reaction that was priced in two months ago. Craig, nothing matters. (laughs) It would seem. You know, in the whole market, I mean, there's so many things that are going on and nothing ever matters. Right. It's so bad. I don't even turn on the business channel anymore. You kind of know the Dow is going to be up somewhere between, you know, 50 and 110 every day, no matter what the news is. And it doesn't matter that, you know, pension funds are going broke or that businesses are shutting down or that there's job losses or, you know, anything. There's hurricanes or it wouldn't matter. I mean, you could probably have Yellowstone explode and the market would be up because it's been pre-programmed to be up. And the, and the guy, the guy didn't know that uh, Yellowstone happened and the market would be up. So I get very skeptical of all these things. And of course, it also has the opposite effect on gold. They don't want gold to run because it's a competitor to the fiat currencies. So it almost doesn't matter what happens. I mean, guys, you know, I, how many lousy earnings reports have we seen for people like IBM and GE and they go down for a day and next thing you know, they're right back up again. It's like it never happened. So I've become very skeptical on those things, uh, which actually uh, keeps me involved in precious metals because when we know they're real, we know the demand is there and we know, we know that ultimately we're going to win the day. Yeah. It, in the end, it does auger to the patient approach. I, and people listening that maybe bought, in the last, you know, back in 2010-11, say, well, patience isn't doing me any good. But if you've been uh, sticking to your beliefs and continuing to add to your stack of metal all through these last four or five years, I mean, your cost basis now is probably down below where price is. And so it does augur to the idea that we, you know, in the end, the fundamentals are the fundamentals. The economic reality is the economic reality. And one of the things that's hanging out there that you talk about every week is the pension crisis. It's out there, particularly, it's all over the globe, but it's particularly bad in the States. I want to point out something, Eric, though, that's going on in real time because it ties into the current news, and that's Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is, uh, I refer to it as a Keynesian Petri dish, you know, because it's so heavily, it's it, the whole thing, the whole state is financed or the territory is financed with debt. And now with the island being ravaged by Hurricane Maria, uh, it, it presents a real quandary for the U.S. government as how they're going to help them with the debt, whether they'll just forgive it all. And there's also $55 billion in pension obligations down there, Eric. I wonder what kind of precedent might be set in the weeks ahead by how they handle Puerto Rico. Well, as, as you say, a Petri dish is probably the appropriate uh, description of it because you know, you, you've got the debt, the pension obligations. Imagine the health care obligations they're picking up here that have never been recorded on the uh, financial statements, which I think I referred to it two or three broadcasts ago. And now, beginning in 18, those things are supposed to go on the balance sheets and the income statements. And of course, nothing's been provided for them. And as the population ages, it becomes quite significant. And it's it's going to be about, I think somebody mentioned about uh, 60% of the value of unfunded pension obligations is the amount that's unfunded or unrecorded for healthcare liabilities. So it just gets worse here. Uh, and I, I suspect that this is part of the reason why the stock market goes up because you can't get a return in bond land, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're making 2% a year. You're not making anything on your bond portfolio. So you gotta, you got to double, 
double get a double return on on your stock portfolio, which is kind of the way it's, it's working out lately. Uh, just to just to uh, t- to tread water here. I mean, God forbid that the market breaks. I mean, the pension thing would be just a a slaughterhouse. And um, I just think that someday that's going to happen because it, it it everything that we have to witness seems so artificial here these days. And and of course, the gold price today is in my mind the best example of that. How they found something to uh, to knock the price of gold down with, and it's a famous line that. The narrative always follows the performance, right? You make yeah. the narrative fit the performance, and if it's if it's because job uh, wage gains were point five percent because of overtime due to the hurricane, uh, you know, oh, let's go slam gold here. Well, I mean, that's about the most temporary, illusory factor you'd ever want to consider. But anyway, that's the way it is. So, yeah, the pension thing is not going away. It's just a tsunami coming at us. Healthcare is a tsunami coming at us. Inflation is a huge problem. We all pretend there's no inflation. In fact, it makes me sick. The Fed says, you oh, know, gee, we're having a tough time getting inflation up to 2%. You're like, what world are you guys living in here, okay? I mean, you got rents and education and health care. Oh, my God, the cost increases that people have to put up with. Don't try to go get your car fixed thinking inflation's up 2% a year. So, anyway, I hate to be on a rant like this, but uh, I, maybe it's a sign we're getting close to the bottom, Greg. <laughs> I think it is, as a matter of fact, but that's okay. Uh, we all have to vent every once in a while, my friend. Um, I want to I close by just looking ahead to next week because Monday is the Columbus Day holiday here in the States, which means the banks are closed. So that ought to be interesting. Uh, not only will the bond market not be moving, but uh, maybe the trading desk won't be as uh, fully stacked as they normally are on a Monday. And we've got all kinds of Fed governors coming out and speaking. I think I counted seven for next week. And we've got the FOMC minutes on Wednesday, and we've got some inflation data next week. So it really never ends. But perhaps maybe we'll um, we'll have a little better week next week than we did this week. Well, you know, one of the things that we haven't talked about ever is this new Fed chair, right? Oh, yeah. That's becoming a real bit of a problem here because uh, – uh, you know, they talked about Kevin Warsh being the favorite. Well, he's a bit of a hawk, you know. Um, so uh, that uh, that would not be good for the stock market, I don't think, because he's a bit of a realist, okay? I think he realizes that that central banks are way too involved in in the goings-on of the stock market and the economy, and, and you can, you know, take a break here. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's any clear-cut... Uh, uh, candidate there, so uh, not that the market would ever worry about a thing like that, because you know we'll be up our fifty to one hundred and twenty-five points a day anyway. Right. Um, but I, I think it's interesting for for our listeners that uh, boy, it sure seems very very uncertain who's going to be in there. I know uh, Neil Kashkari's name was brought in there; he's a dove, so that would be uh, good for the market believers and and for gold for that matter. So it'll and I, that decision I think is supposed to be made very imminently here. So that'll be interesting to watch for. And of all the possible candidates, this Warsh character is a hawk that thinks the Fed is too involved in the markets. I think we could probably cross him off the list, don't you think, Eric? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, too much of a rebel there. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, my friend. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, we will continue to see our way through it. And, and as we said, you know, just uh, the old adage is when. Times look the darkest is usually a good time to buy some, and and, uh, maybe that's where we are on this Friday morning. But we'll see where we stand next week. Until then, 
I think we'll uh, let you start your weekend if you'd like. Thank you for your time this morning, and uh, we wish you all the best. Okay, Craig, and uh, sorry about the grumpy Friday, but that's just the way it is, okay? (laughs) We'll see what it's like next week. All the best. All right, my friend. And from everyone here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend.